sits down with former Badgers to break down the season. Whether it's on defense or offense, we got to put it to the team immediately. Talk about that. That's the hardest thing to pick up. I would like to see our corners play a little more aggressive. Now, I think that's when our run game started get going. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. You're live at Coaches Club in Cross Plains for the final show of the year, but it is a celebratory show. Wisconsin goes on the road and takes care of Minnesota 38-17. to Really, after about the first quarter, Wisconsin dominated that, and it was uh, very, very sweet, I think, for a lot of Badger fans, and I'm sure for our two former Badgers here tonight, Brady Ewing and Bill Nagy, that was sweet, was it not? I mean, obviously, the first quarter kind of wasn't fun but after that it got good it got a lot of fun yeah it was awesome you know i think you're going into a a rivalry that's been reunited a little bit you're playing for the axe and uh just the way the first couple series transpired and then to see the badgers kick it into full gear and continue to develop the playbook and get some different weapons involved on the offensive side and then see some young guys continue to step on up up on the defensive side um it was I was proud of those guys, man. As a former player, it was it was fun to watch. It was fun, right? I mean, it was the the snow, the the stakes, not just the axe. Obviously, the Big Ten West on the line too, and just that was the biggest game in Minnesota in the last sixty years. And for Wisconsin to roll in there and get down early, but then you know take control of that game and really stomp on their throat, like they didn't they didn't slow down. You know what I mean, like. It was 24 to 10, and they're still going at it. They're still like just dialing up the perfect stuff. It was, it was. I think probably for a lot of fans, it was the most enjoyable win in, in quite some time. Bill. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think it was a, a signature team win. When you look at all phases of the game, just doing the little things right, and not getting off to a hot start like they had throughout the year to some to some extent, but really settling in. Um, wearing out the front seven, um, stopping the run, getting the run going. You know, it was cool to see Cephas make some big plays too. And, um, you know, that that's a whole other story in itself. But like I said, it was just a team win, and it was fun to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of different things that are coming to mind in terms of, like, what was the most enjoyable aspect of that win. I think there's plenty of things probably during the game and after the game, the way that the, the axe uh, was paraded around. But... For you guys, what was the most enjoyable aspect of that win? Was it, I mean, was it the play calling that you know really had Minnesota on their heels all game? I mean, I, it, that screen call is coming to mind. The one, it's third and seven, twenty-four ten. The game's still, it's still a game, and they called the a perfect time for a screen play backed up in their own end, and it goes for seventy yards. And JT goes in on the next play. Like that sequence just was so significant in my mind. That's the one that sticks out for me. That was a great series. And I looked at that game that Wisconsin went out and won it. Yeah. It wasn't like somebody lost it or there was a bad turnover or there was You're right. You know, a blunder here or there. Wisconsin just went out and flat beat them. And it wasn't the prettiest thing, but it was what Wisconsin football is, just grinding it out. It was, but then you also had obviously like the just it felt like just the perfect calls at the perfect time. You know, I know as a play caller it's not always easy to get in that rhythm, but and, and Wisconsin has been on their heels at times this year defensively with, with an offensive coordinator calling a great game. Ohio State comes to mind, even with all their talent. But 
it felt like you know Joe and, and Paul and John Budmeyer had them on their heels and just had the right call at the right time for everything almost. Yeah, the play that pumped me up, I mean, there's a, a bunch of them, but seeing the offensive line go to work and wear down their front seven throughout the game, and that's not a play, but when you think of a play, I like the tight end screen because... Ooh, I hadn't seen that. It felt like I hadn't seen that since 2011. Later, yeah, maybe. Like since, it, I thought earlier I, this year they tried to run it maybe once, I remember, specifically to Ferguson, but it was good to see it work. You know, they ran the screen on third and seven, like you said, um, and I think those are the aspects of the game, those sweeps, some of those... Things that have been Wisconsin in the past um, that keep people on their heels, I think that's going to be huge this game, especially with that pass rush, if, if we can continue to pass block and give time to Jack and he can throw it around and keep the defense on their heels like that. Yeah, and we'll get into Ohio State. I, I, I just think the, the Minnesota game was just so much fun for, for people to, to think about just because of what was at stake for Minnesota. Just, I mean, that was – and I know you guys – you guys are too young as well, but like that was 1993 Wisconsin year. Like that was being so bad for so long, and you know not not as bad as Wisconsin had been for so long. Minnesota's had some success. You know, think back to you know the late 2000s where they were with when Glenn Mason was there, and they had some they had some talented teams that, and then they went away from him and they kind of went down, and then Jerry Kill kind of built them back up. But that was 1993 for them. That was the opportunity to bust through, and and uh, you know they ruined Wisconsin's 1993 by beating them in the Twin Cities. that Not ruined it, but put a little bit of a, a dash on it. Wisconsin, with that win, essentially took away a lot. And P.J. tried to build it back up afterwards, like, uh, co-Big Ten West champs, we're not going back, we accomplished a lot. Fine, <laughs> you can you go ahead and tell that to yourself. But Wisconsin took the Big Ten West from you. They took the ash from you. Your trophy case is empty. You're not getting, a, you're not getting anything for it. So this is, uh, to me... Just that whole win feels extra special because of what it did to Minnesota on top of what Wisconsin got out of it. And on a national stage, right? Yeah. That's what I thought was cool about it because as a nation, and this is outside of Badger fan, how everybody looks at it, the boring thing is just having Wisconsin win every year, and that's what it's been, right? So you almost felt like the back was against the wall and everybody else was rooting for minnesota and they thought it was their year and they're all jumping to the boat exactly you're, what you're trying yeah. to say they're all getting and, on the boat they're all trying to row with and minnesota. nobody wants to jump on the boring oh wisconsin's just going to beat them it's going to be the same old year and everybody was so high on minnesota that's why it was you know so fun to watch as a badger fan the the word that just keeps coming back to mind is satisfying because um this the illinois loss and the ohio state loss put like a a a knock on the season for Wisconsin. And like a lot of fans, no matter what, they're like, no, this is not going to be a successful year because you lost that game. And you, this, it doesn't matter. But it did matter. And Wisconsin, you know, obviously Iowa beats Minnesota and gives Wisconsin this opportunity, but they still had to go out and take it. And as Bill said, they did not have it handed to them. They went out and said, hey, Minnesota, we're going to take this from you. And they did it in so many different ways. They did it in the past game. They did it in the, the reverse game. Jonathan Taylor had was held in check a little bit, but they got him involved in the pass game. Like, it was just, it was what the offense we had been looking for all year. From the second quarter on, that was exactly what it, what had been a lot of people's hopes of what it would look like. Yeah, and I think when you turn on the tape, you see what team was better. Oh. It's not one of those games where you're just like, you know, your P.J. Flex sitting there and you're just like, oh, you know, a play here or there. We're right there with them. It was like, no, you're, you're still not there. You're no. not in the same ballpark as us. And 
it was just like the classic big brother, little brother, you know, shoving them into a corner. Right. And I think the rewarding part of that, not only the rivalry and the way Minnesota's been playing too, but it's been a steady buildup, I feel like, for Wisconsin the last, what, four or five weeks that they had to win yep. four in a row to get, get to this point or five in a row. Yep. Um, you know, I feel like the coaches have laid out a great playbook, a great strategy. The guys have been fresh. They've been excited about it. Um, so that's been really fun to watch. And, you know, Coach Chris says it all the time. It sounds super cliche, but it's, you know, not necessarily about the end goal, but it's about the journey. And uh, Did you just get my eye roll there? You did. All right, good. Big one. And and a uh, exhale there. <laughs> but, it, but it truly no, I know, is. I, mean, I, you I know back, what you're saying. I know what you're you saying. you don't face that adversity throughout the season, you know, does it make it as enjoyable in retrospect? Maybe, but th- that's the stuff you remember, the the ups and downs throughout the way, uh, responding to it and just uh, getting back to work. I'm sure Paul Kirsch appreciates that. But appreciates people, the opportunity. Yeah, yeah people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People forget that these are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids, and on a week-to-week basis, the improvement and the confidence and where you're at from the beginning of the year is not where you're going to be you know, in week 10, 11, 12. And I mean, you see it throughout the landscape of college football. There are teams that get worse. Wisconsin always finds a way to continue to get better. How, how they about do. that freshman defensive back? Or was it freshman? Yeah, Samar Melvin. Dude got that beat on the, like the first play or two of the game. Yeah. For him to come back and, you know, you, I didn't notice him in a negative standpoint at all the rest no. of the game. He locked in. Um it, it was cool to see. And, you know, that's not just him, but that's the culture, the mindset of the team that you build all throughout the offseason. And um, so that's really cool to see. I thought it was great that the refs allowed them to play on the outside, that they allowed some physicalness, because I'm not sure. That is always such a question mark to me, and that's a whole other conversation in the NFL, college, whatever it is. I don't know what that, you know what is legal and what's not legal, right? Because which is frustrating, but that's also a part of the game too. Trying to figure that out, and it worked out well for Wisconsin because you know it allowed Caesar Williams to be physical with, um, you know, with Tyler Johnson in the end zone on those two big plays. He had the, the knock away on third down, and then the you know the little slant or not the slant, but the, the little out where he comes up and he's able to knock the ball loose. That was another huge sequence of the game. He had a huge game. The secondary, which had been. I don't want to say malign. Malign's probably a little bit too much, too big of a word to use. But they, Purdue had put up a bunch of yards on them. Nebraska had put a bunch, of, bunch of yards on them. They stepped up, and I know the weather wasn't great, but Jack Cohen threw for two hundred eighty yards in that weather. And yes, and yes, two hundred ninety-six yards from from Tanner Morgan, but it didn't feel like that. He only had two hundred going in, and it was when the game was when the game was pretty much already decided. He had two hundred yards. They stepped up, and and Jimmy Leonard, I think, probably deserves a lot of credit for it. Um, they put a plan in place. And they executed the plan in place, and he was. It was fantastic. Weren't there two safeties, two key safeties that got hurt at the beginning of the year? Uh, yeah, obviously Scott Scott, Scott Nelson, Nelson yeah. uh, tore his ACL in the first in the opener. Uh, they've had the. I mean, Kyle. That, that was the only one that has been out for the entire year. Okay. Reggie Reggie Pearson has been dealing with a, a stinger all year. Eric Burrell has been dealing with a shoulder with an arm injury. Colin Wilder missed the first half so, because of the yeah, head so injury. Look at what that guy, what what Jimmy has done with a lot of unexperienced talent back yeah. there, and just I think making the plan simple enough for all those guys to be on the same page, and just to play fast and to play confident. And that's what I think the problem is with a lot of D coordinators. They try to make things so complex, but Jimmy has a way of just building confidence and just having everybody be on the same page and play fast. 
th- th- you're not going to get beat on mental errors. You don't see that with Wisconsin's defense. It's if somebody's going to get beat, it's going to be, hey, the best man got me that play. That's yeah. what it is, and that's what that's why I think their defense is so good. Yeah, no, and they and they've had different moments this year, right? They've had they've been really good at times, and they've they've struggled at times. But on Saturday, they were fantastic, and you know. Um, he's done it, Jim Leonard has, with a rotating group of guys at corner. Like, And I, I thought at the beginning of the year that meant they just had a lot of depth. I, I've learned that it's just he doesn't have he doesn't have his guys yet. He does it, he's still trying to figure out who they're going to be that is going to be that guy. And, you know, and, and Fayon Hicks has been essentially the only one that's been there all year. Caesar has came through. Talk about Samara Melvin. I mean, he had played in two games before Saturday. That, I mean, that's, <laughs> he had not played at all. And then he comes in and he's starting. He's starting against two of the best, or, you know, the two best wide receivers in the Big Ten, according to the Big Ten, uh, uh, you know, all Big Ten that came out. Both those guys over a thousand yards, and you know, outside of that one big play that Rashad Bateman had, I thought they did a really, really good job. And uh, Jim deserves Jimmy deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the axe and what it meant for Wisconsin to get it back, and uh, some of the things that Chris Orr had to say about it afterwards. We'll. Get that on the other side. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We are live at Coaches Club in Cross Plains. I'm here with former Badgers Brady Ewing and Bill Nagy. We're talking Wisconsin and Minnesota. We'll get to Wisconsin and Ohio State coming up. They will take on each other on Saturday down in Indy at Lucas Oil Stadium. But I do want to go back to the axe a little bit because it was uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of controversy afterwards. Uh, Chris Orr. And the Badgers, obviously, every when you win the when you win the axe, you get to chop down the goalposts. That's been what it has been for quite some time, and uh, so that's what Wisconsin did. They went down to one goalpost, and as they were running, as I expected, I was was down there. I was expecting them to run with it back down to the other end and chop down the other goalpost. At midfield, though, Chris Orr stopped, and all the team gathered around him, and all of a sudden, he took the axe and used it as an oar, a boat oar. And they started rowing at the midfield stripe. And everyone's, uh, some people took offense to it. Some people, some Minnesota people did. And Chris was asked about why they did that. And uh, here is the audio of him talking about why they did that at midfield. Well, we just felt like they disrespected the acts um, by renting out the people, um, having it, you know, any and everybody can touch it. You know, it means more than that. You know, people have, Played this game for a very long time. It, it, it means more than that. It's not a. It's not a just a little commodity or something that you can just rent out for for money or whatever the case is. You're trying to make profit off of it. I feel like that was disrespectful. They didn't honor the players that come came before. They also lied and said only the seniors can touch it. Touch it. No, only the seniors chop. So we felt like it was disrespectful for them to do that. So just a little disrespect back. So that was uh, Chris Orr's explanation for it, and I, I guess I can see it from, from his point of view, but you guys are former Badgers. You guys are ones that have chopped the goalposts. You guys are ones that have won the axe. You never lost an axe game, actually, in either of your careers. When you hear Chris Orr talking about that, 
Are you okay with uh, the the rowing of the of the boat there at midfield with the axe, or would you take uh, Minnesota side? I just have a quick question. I'm not aware of any renting out of the okay. axe and or any so of they did. Stuff. Yeah, so they did? yeah, okay. so PJ Fleck and company, and I don't have all the details. <laughs> but the company. But there are there are there have been stories. They took it on a tour of the state, but which is fine, right? I think that I think you know showing it to everybody is when you get it for the first time in fifteen years, you show it to everybody, right? But apparently, you could rent it out for weddings and um, like parties and that type of stuff. And I don't know if there was money made. I suspect there probably was uh, money made off of that. And I think that is what Chris was taking issue with. Eddie and PJ Fleck, he says PJ Fleck lied about the fact that Wisconsin only let seniors touch the axe, which isn't accurate. Wisconsin only, the only the senior, only the seniors chop the goalpost. Anybody touches the axe. Everybody can touch the axe. Like, and so PJ, he felt PJ lied about that. That was his two issues, making money off the axe and lying about it. I, I personally, I mean, I'm not a big fan of, you know, whether, whatever he says about commoditizing it and renting it out. That's me personally. But I would have liked to seen, um, you know, our guys, it's good, cool to have fun with it behind closed doors. You know, if you get to the locker room and you want to mess around and, and row the boat, whatever you want to do, I think that's fine. But to do it on midfield, yeah, are they pumped up? They're having fun with it, uh, enjoying the moment, yeah. But me personally, and, and I think the, the way Wisconsin f- uh, football has been founded, I would have liked to see him take a little different approach. But um, it's my two cents, I guess. Not my style. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and here's the deal. We're talking about a, a first-team all-Big Ten player, Chris Orr, who, you know, however many sacks, 11-plus sacks the dude's had this year, has backed it up and then some. Um, he can do whatever he wants, in my opinion. He's got to live with it, and it's funny. Things always come back around. They do. I see this stuff in the NFL with, you know, Baker Mayfield and Bosa with the flag drop in the middle of the field, and this is going back and forth and back. So if you want to do that stuff, you're just going to have to, to live with it when it comes back around. And also understand that you're selling something that you might not be able to to be there to, to cash in on later with some of the younger guys. Yeah. like right? he, yeah. So it's, it's like if you're going to start something, back it up, and he's backed it up thus far. So I'm good with it. I wouldn't personally do it. But I don't know. I, yeah. I didn't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of felt good to watch. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I thought it was, I under, like, I get where he's coming from. The monetizing aspect, like, you can celebrate it with the axe, do it however you want on the field. You know, like, in terms of what Minnesota did last year, they didn't do anything wrong about it on the field. They, they chopped the goalpost. I mean, PJ flying in with the axe and taking it everywhere and sleeping with it. I don't. I don't know if he slept with it. That's that's just me thinking that he I probably did. I, I think he probably did. He's a clown. I probably he probably did sleep with it. But um, and I'm sure his wife was very jealous. But either way, like I, I just think what they did on the field was fine. The monetizing of it, if they did, which is the stories say they did, I would take significant issue with that if I was a badger. I just think I, it's such a reflection of them. Like you don't even have to do anything. It's like them dude, or him. They are pimping themselves out with the axe. They need the money. Like, congratulations! Like wow. Like, right. What? I mean, how much can you actually charge <laughs> to rent out the axe? Like, Honestly, this is embarrassing. If you if if something comes to your town and you here. have an opportunity to get it for the first time in fifteen years, I bet you could probably charge a little bit. Maybe. 
That's crazy to me. It, I, I just, I don't see how you could justify that with the tradition that that thing holds. And like Chris said, the people that have come before Minnesota and Wisconsin alike, how you could literally send that with a bodyguard to a wedding and, you know, have them parade around that at the first yeah. dance, whatever you want to do. I, that's just so that's crazy if, to me. If you want my, just thinking about it, this is the first time I've heard about this, but my my take on it after, you know, thinking about it for a little bit, does that surprise anybody with P.J. Fleck even wanting any type of publicity because he is such a recruiter, such a media, you know what, yeah. to where that dude doesn't care about Minnesota at the root. That guy is for in it for himself, and he puts on this act like he is – loves everybody he's recruiting all this and you know a guy's guy but i'll tell you what that guy will take the first big ticket out of minnesota that he gets mark my words he's done that everywhere and that's just that's who he is so does that surprise you does that that doesn't surprise me no it it doesn't surprise me but i think that's what made it probably just even more satisfying because it was doing it to him like glenn mason was not a bad guy like glenn mason was a good seemed like a good guy tim brewster was not a good guy um, he was a clown as well, but, um, you know, and Jerry killed was what he was. PJ Fleck, on the other hand, has just put himself out there. He put him, puts himself in front of the players. It feels like more so than any coach in the big 10 for sure, but it feels like more though, possibly more than any coach in the country. Like his face is, his name is on the t-shirt of like, uh, there's they're, like their senior tree like that's that's <laughs> the guy is just branding himself. Like, yes, that's all he is. He's just pumping himself up through the vehicle of making it seem like he cares about everybody else. And he's had success. Like he, there's no doubt about it. And but he's, he's not yeah, going to be right. there for the rest of his career. Like that is not a destination yeah. job for him. And there's excitement around the program. He's doing a good job. If I'm a Minnesota fan, I respect it because everybody's talking about it. He's putting a competitive product out. RTB there. baby. But that. Dude does not care about Minnesota or the Gophers long term. No, I don't. I, had, I, I don't I, think so either. I had multiple conversations with Wisconsin fans after that game, and I think one thing it really made a lot of people aware of was how appreciative you are of a guy like Paul Chris too. You know, oh, as much as, as appreciate appreciate the like he, he went there. Yeah, appreciate the coach. I, I think that was unintentional, but it, it worked. It was. I'm big on the appreciating the opportunity words yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. But hey, you played. You the know, game. all you know. He just for, plays the game. Media stuff aside, and and how tough he is to talk to, and he doesn't give you a lot to work with, but just the uh, the way he approaches it, he really I think puts the kids first um, and does it the right way. So it's refreshing to see. I think that's Wisconsin football at the core, and um, just makes you appreciate it that much more. Uh, we'll we'll take a break here in a minute, but I, I do want to add, just ask, has there ever been? Because they've been talking about this since winter conditioning. Like this had been the focus since winter conditioning. There was a picture of the Gophers celebrating in the Axe trophy case. So they had been celebrating. So they had been thinking about this. It was the focus for winter conditioning, spring ball, summer conditioning, fall camp. The picture got taken out during the season, but then went back in there this year. Have you ever had a situation where that was your entire focus for an entire offseason, one game, one thing, motivating you for an entire offseason? Has there been a game like that? Has there been anything? Do you remember anything like that in your playing careers? Because this, and, and it felt like, and I know, just to let you guys think about it, it felt like in that locker room afterwards or in the post-game media session afterwards that this was as, and I've been only covering them since 2013, but this was the most satisfying win for them, for any team that I can remember. And they've won some big games in the last six years, seven years, but this was the most satisfying one for them. 
With the way you outlined it, I don't I don't remember one in my college career, professional career, where it was built up to that extent. And um, it if it did, they did build it up and have the focus that that you outlined. Um, I don't. Um, you know, I guess the fear with that would be you have all that hype and all that lead up to the game, you know, going into a game like this. But I don't foresee that being an issue with Ohio State and the stage that this game will be on either. But, um, yeah, I mean, the rivalry is reignited, right? It is. Minnesota is, is relevant. And I don't know if that was the best thing to happen or not, to, to this or not, like last year would happen, but it kind of t- worked out. Yeah, I mean, you don't like to see the axe go, and <laughs> but it's good for college football. I mean, it's good for the Big Ten. Um overall and, and and the badgers came out victorious this year so you can you can ride it yeah uh we'll talk a little bit about the ohio state coming up uh, ohio state game coming up on the other side of this break you're listening to the wisconsin football roundtable live from coaches club in cross plains this is the wisconsin football roundtable on the wisconsin sports zone radio network This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisconsin Football Roundtable, live at Coaches Club in Cross Plains, right on Main Street. Final show of the year as Badgers get ready to take on Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. It's their third Big Ten title game in the last four years. They've played Ohio State. Uh, twice in uh yeah this would be the second time they played ohio state in that time first time they lost uh, they were 43 yards away from uh, the college football playoff uh came up a little bit short that year ended up going to the orange bowl and winning that uh, and finishing 13 and one most wins in a season for wisconsin but they are uh, gonna try and get their first big 10 title since 2012 on saturday uh, here with former badgers brady ewing and uh bill nagy big question guys uh and i'm, I'm sure if we had the answer to it We'd make a lot of money. How does Wisconsin beat Ohio State? Um, where does it go? Because the first game was not close. It was thirty-eight to seven. I shouldn't say it. It was ten. It was ten-seven early in the third quarter, and then Ohio State went on a run. They they scored four straight touchdowns, and it was was not really even close after that. How does Wisconsin first of all score against Ohio State, and how do they slow uh, Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins and rest of that offense? My initial thought goes to. What it typically does for Wisconsin is just in the trenches, specifically with the way that Ohio State was able to put pressure on us last game. Um, you know, with Chase hey, Young. And I mean, that's, we, if we're going to be honest, we have to point. Yeah, point to number two. How do you slow number two? I'm, I guess on both sides of the ball. J.K. Dobbins dominated them, you know, in running the ball, but Chase Young had his Heisman moment against Wisconsin. If he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, he's going to be at least invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Everyone's going to point to that game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, what do you have, four or five sacks? and Four sacks, um, a couple forced fumbles. He was unstoppable. I think what we've seen over the course of the year is, you know, we can we rely on our run game, and we did very much early, but we've been most successful when we've been able to open up the playbook, spread the field out, get down to Quintez and some of those other guys, running sweeps, um, running those screens, keeping people off balance. And um, so I think it's all going to start in the trenches and be able to open up the playbook through good balance. I was talking to Cole Van Landen after the Ohio State game, the left tackle for Wisconsin, and he said he wanted another shot. Like, this was right after the game. He goes, I want another shot at these guys. You know, I, he didn't think he played horrible. Um, obviously, Chase Young had a great game, but he wanted another shot. And I asked him about it after the game on Saturday. He goes, yeah, I just I want another shot. Like, he's the best guy we faced. 
We didn't play very well against them. We have to step it up. Is it as simple as um, slowing him to, to have success on offense for Wisconsin? I just don't think it's about one player okay. at all. And just off of Van Landen's comments, like, would you want anybody that would say we don't want another shot, right? No, but like, I love that. Getting your butt whipped like you did and yeah. right back, wanted, wanted it right back like 20 minutes later. And that's why I love Cole, and I, I think he's in, you know, it's setting up to where these guys can rebound. I don't think, I think people are underestimating how hard it is. And I, actually, I guess I shouldn't say this, but it is so hard to play at Ohio State from an offensive standpoint against possibly in the best player in the country. He's, he's the best. We, uh, we all in agreement with that. I, yeah, like if it was, if it was no sh- advantage yeah. going against the best player, like that's what it is. Straight up no position. Like if they were just to rank the top player in the country, he's the, he's yeah. the guy. And then having, you know, no snap count advantage, yeah. um, not being able to hear anything, possibly the loudest stadium in the nation, or at least up there. Um, it's going to be a completely different game, in my opinion. It was also pouring at Ohio State. It's it just was. it's going to be completely different. Um, yeah. A neutral field, and I get what the spread is, and I do think Ohio State is a heck of a team. Yeah, I think it's sixteen and a half for everybody that doesn't know. And it that opened is the, at eighteen, sixteen and a half now. Do you know what you? Could you guys guess the last time Wisconsin's been that big of a fa- uh, underdog? Illinois. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I said underdog, not favorite. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, biggest what what year what, how many years do you think it's been since they've been that big underdog? I, you want to just guess? I have no idea. I need a guess here from you guys. Come on, give me something. And it's got to be back into the nineties, right? It was. Yeah, ninety two. Nineteen ninety six at Ohio State, they were twenty seven point underdogs in that game. They, they covered. They covered. They covered. They didn't win, but they covered. I actually uh, held tight with them for for uh, for much of the game. Yeah, this game's going to come down to converting on third down and getting off the field on third down. That's what it is. Yeah, that's making plays on third down is what it's going to come down to, and it's so tough because they have so many good athletes and so many good players, and um, that that's the deal because they have so many guys that can bail them out. Yeah, and um, because- it's and you got to be able to score. I think they're going to have to dip into the playbook a little bit. They're going to have to throw the ball around. It's not like they they saw it. You know when they went to Ohio State, but again, it's it's just a, it's going to be a completely different game because when you're when you have no snap advantage as an offensive line front seven, Brady, you know this, like against that front front seven, it's darn near impossible. Yeah, it's not it's not just Chase Young, right? I mean, they have they have the best defensive back in the country, Jerry Okuda, as well, or I should say, cornerback. He's going to be a top ten pick, you know. Like it's not just Chase Young. If it was, it'd be different. Like if you could pass again. Now I'll say this: Michigan showed, at least early, they had some success. Uh, Rutgers even scored some points against them. I don't know uh, how much uh, locked in they were in that game, but um, you know, Penn State had seventeen. So teams have scored a little bit. I'm wondering for you, for you guys, what does the uh, fake motion like the 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 sweep motion due to a defense, so even when you don't hand it off, because I didn't think we see it saw a ton of that against them the first time around. We've seen a a lot of it these last two weeks, last three weeks. Um, what does it do? What, what's the goal of it? 
just holds the contain, man. It just holds somebody for that, and it, it just stretches the defense a little bit. Is it dealing with guys' eyes and making them look? Just a slight that slight hesitation can help you set. So say you're running a a fake jet sweep with like an inside lead zone or something. It's just that moment of split hesitation by those linebackers, the contain man, the defensive backs allows you to anticipate better uh, where your block is going to be and give you a better angle to, you know, when JT or whoever that running back is hits that hole, um, you know, there's just a little bit better crease there. Because JT has done absolutely nothing against these guys, the two games he's played. He played in the, tw- in the 2017 Big Ten title game, did nothing. Obviously did nothing this first game this year. How do I mean? I, I don't know if they can get him going. I mean, Ohio State's defense is, is good against everybody, but they sell out to to keep him under wraps. Minnesota did the same. Wisconsin was able to take advantage of that down the field. I don't know if they'll be able to do that against Ohio State. Yeah, and that's the deal. And I, I don't look at it as JT getting shut down. I look at it as the offensive line not being able to do anything. Well, and that's and that's, that's what, yeah. and it goes hand in hand, right? But I think that. Um, you know, just having the blueprint of what you need to do versus a team like Minnesota where you can open it up, get some play action, um, take some shots downfield, and I hope they're aggressive with it. They have to be. That's the only way they... And that would just absolutely crush me if they weren't. And this is a whole other deal, too, is just regardless, I don't want to talk about, you know, well, if they lose this game, do they go to the Rose Bowl? How does that work with Penn State? If they don't lose big... Do they still go to the Rose Bowl? Are they the Rose Bowl team? Or if they get blown out, do they get jumped? You don't want to talk about that yet? But that's but that's what I'm saying, <laughs> though. Like I want them to go out and take their shots and play to win the game. I don't want them yeah. to go out there and say, hey, well, you know, this is what we got to like. Be aggressive. Take some shots downfield, and that's the way you're going to beat Ohio State. you got to limit their big plays, and you got to capitalize on a few few big play actions to get things rolling. I would, I would agree with you in that I, I, it would be extremely, extremely disappointing if they went into a shell and played like they, like they did the first time around, where there wasn't a whole lot of stuff down the field and there wasn't a whole lot of confidence. And they were coming off the Illinois game, which obviously wasn't ideal. But for them, for them coming, you know, I just they have to take shots down the field. They have to go after it. They have to go full. Just go. Just go. and. If you get blown out 58-7 to 7 because of it, okay. But you cannot go quiet, and they went quiet the first time. I think that, and I, I think that was a product of just the weather and then being on a road, on the road. Like, it's just so tough. Um, and I, I could be wrong, but I feel confident in what they're going to do and the plan they're going to put together to, to try to come out and put a good product on the field. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't know how you could at this point in the season. I mean, you're yeah, going to... <laughs> I mean, I think they're going to come out, have a similar game plan, and, and just uh, stretch the field and try to attack them. I, same game plan as the last couple of weeks, where you know you took you took your shots, and if they if they happen to not go your way, okay. But yeah, and you all you can ask for in a game like this against a team like this is to have a fighting chance, right? And we're talking, yeah, and we're talking about we're only talking about the offense. The defense right. has a huge has a huge task as well, and just like last year, at least in my or last week, in my opinion, it was on Jim Leonard to figure out a way to slow Minnesota's offense. It's on Jim Leonard this week to find a way to slow that that Ohio State offense that will be playing with a uh, banged up Justin Fields. He's going to be wearing a pretty big brace on his leg that is not going to allow him to potentially um, run it nearly as much. We'll uh, we'll see if he's able to. 
Uh, it is coming to the end of the decade for Wisconsin. There's been a lot of good here this this decade. I want to talk about that uh, coming up on the other side. Biggest plays, biggest games, biggest wins, all that. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We are live at Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Former Badgers Brady Ewing and Bill Nagy uh, with me here. All right, so we are coming to the end of the decade. There's only a couple of weeks left. Uh, Wisconsin has played a lot of good football in this decade, starting with the 2010 team that you guys are both a part of, going to the Rose Bowl, winning a Big Ten title. Uh, they won two more in that in that year. They won a Cotton Bowl. They won a Orange Bowl. So they played a lot of good football. Um, I'm wondering for you guys, I guess it remains to be seen. I mean, if they pulled the upset on Saturday, maybe we could consider this team as well. But what is the best team of the decade? Is it 2010? Is it 2011? Is it 2017? Is it 2019? Which 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 one would you guys go with? Man, that's, that's a tough question. Tough question. I know. I, I I feel like I'm a little biased. I'd probably say 10, 2010 or 2011. No, you got to say one of them. Can't say both. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say uh, I, say 2010. 2010. Um, I thought they were more. Deb- I think you guys were more complete. 2010. Yeah, and what's interesting though is you talk about what team is actually better. It's just funny to see how the games even evolved from since 2010. You know, from the types of players that Wisconsin's getting, um, you know, how that recruiting's changed from O-linemen to skill players, um, you know, with the spread continuing to evolve. Um, but you it's guys, just so tough to compare. Yeah, but you guys you guys ran the spread a little, not not regularly, but there was a five-wide five receiver set in your offense that year. I mean, you oh, ran, it sure. against, ran it against Iowa on that final drive down the field. I mean, Monte was, was in the slot. I think it was caught a fourth down pass on, uh, on fourth and five. It was a really good catch. Late on that drive, so so it has changed. You're right. I'm just saying, like, yep. there was a little bit of that with Paul early, you know, still at that point. For sure, yeah, it was a good change up at the time, and and you could get some mashups with, you know, like you said, Monte out in the slot. Yeah. Um, but you got teams that are fo- do running that 98 percent yes. of the time now. Yeah. And no so to see how you know Wisconsin's started to fold some of that in, but also stick true to what's uh, helped us have success over the years has been fun to watch. Um, so you go 2010. I go, yeah, 2010. Bill, what do you got? You were part of that 2010 team. Yeah, I, I have to say that. <laughs> um, I just think, so if you were to play any bowl game, any championship game, um, a week or two after the actual regular season, it's just a completely different that was result gonna, from a Rose Bowl deal. That's going to live and, with me forever. And I, I, I do think that the 2011 then. team, when you look at the upside, if they were on and everything was clicking, just with the quarterback and you know some of the weapons that they had, that's an unbelievable team defense, too. too. It is. Yeah. And the defense too. Like, And that's where it's like I think from an upside, they had the ability to beat absolutely anybody in the country when they lined up. Yeah. All the time. I think 2010 did too. For sure. But I think just with some of the, the big play weapons, um, 2011's a heck of a team as well. Offensively, definitely. I thought defensively, especially late in that year, they just it's, they struggled to stop people. Would you agree with that? I mean, defensively. 2011? Yeah. 
Toward, towards the end of the year. I mean, you uh, you guys had to score. There was a reason you had to score 45 points a game. We did. There's the a lot of back era. and forth games. Yeah, you know where the Ohio State game, the the first Ohio or the first Ohio State game, the first Michigan State game. Like there was a lot of points scored in those. The championship game, obviously, the yeah, Oregon Ro- Rose Bowl was Rose that Bowl. Way. Yeah, it was. I mean, you put together a string of eight to ten, eleven play drive, and all of a sudden they'd pop off in like one or two plays and you know score touchdowns. Like, okay, <laughs> let's get back out there, do it again. You like, know what I mean? And try yeah. to wear some of this time off the clock. Well, and, Michael uh, James and who was the other guy? Um, they had a, they had two running backs who were really really good. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember, but Michael James obviously stood out. But oh, uh, Kenyon Barner, I think it was the other was the other guy that was really good that year mm-hmm. for them. But the 2010 and 2011 teams were really good. Is the 2017 team in that conversation at all? I mean they they went 13 and one. They didn't beat a lot of really good teams that year. I mean they beat Michigan obviously. Um, they what came bowl up game short was it that year. What's up? What bowl game was it that year? Orange Bowl. They Orange went and bowl. dominated Miami. And Miami. Or, well, not dominated, but they beat uh, beat uh, Miami in the Orange Bowl. I don't know. I mean, I didn't think the offense was great. Was was outstanding was that, Miami that year? In the Orange Bowl. Yeah. What what year did they play um, Western um, Michigan? That was that was the year before twenty sixteen. Oh. That was in the Cotton Bowl, where again, like the defense. I uh, personally, the defense in sixteen, well, in fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, was all probably better than any of the defense that the two thousand ten or two thousand. I think Aranda Aranda put together some unbelievable he did. defenses. He did way better than the Dorans of the world. Yes. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, they could uh, against TCU could not get off the field uh, in that Rose Bowl to give you guys more chances. I would, I'll say that. Um, so I think those defenses were, but the offense just it doesn't compare. He scored forty two points a game that year, forty five the next year. I know Coach Chris got Dave Dorn some of the best jobs in the, <laughs> in the country. <laughs> it's true. Uh, there's no doubt, no doubt. Um, so what about this? T- okay, so say if they end up beating Ohio State on Saturday, where does this? Where does this team rank? Is this is this team up with those rest of those teams? I mean, Big Ten title teams. The twenty twelve team kind of gets lost just because they went eight and five. Yep, they cra- they they, they yeah. crushed Nebraska. It's, but I, I just think it's so easy to reflect because when you look back at some of the memories and you see some of those teams, um, yeah, you remember a lot of the games, but you also remember you know some of the players, and right. Some of the success that some of those individuals have had, yeah over the last couple of years in the NFL, and some guys are still playing and still doing unbelievable things. So I think that's very hard to compare. But regardless, I mean, if you're – it would be very, very hard to, to get over the loss at Illinois yeah. and but just being favored that heavily and going to Ohio State and understanding there's some circumstances too, but it's, it's hard to compare yeah. this team to that. But – this Saturday can change anything, so I'm excited. Hopefully, they can they can swing it. Your head is saying, or your, or your heart is saying, what what this weekend, Bill? I think Badgers by two. Well, what's your head saying? Badgers by two. <laughs> Let's do it, man. We're gonna go out, uh, Brady. What what do you think? Does Wisconsin have a shot this weekend? What do you, what do you think? I honestly think they do. I I think they are heart speaking a little bit, but I yeah. I think the way we, we played, I think here. they're coming in with confidence. Um, playbook's been opened up. The defense is, is uh, doing some great things. So I'm going to take uh, Wisconsin by six. Yeah, I got Wisconsin by two. If they play aggressive, they have a shot. Wisconsin by two, bet the under. What is the over-under, I wonder? I think it's 56, 56 and a half. Yeah, look, if Justin, if Justin Fields is not 
Justin Fields, that that takes that aspect away from their game if he's not able to. If he's not mobile, if he's not already, able to, let's be honest. These guys already punched their ticket. They have. I'm not worried about it. They, they have. They like, have. But I'm telling you, I'll, I'll, you don't think those, those Ohio State guys don't respect Wisconsin? Oh, of course not. Justin Fields. They don't. They don't Ju- care. Justin Fields said they're going to put 52 on him if it had it not been raining the other day. They don't respect uh, Wisconsin. Last at all. week, yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, you, he said they put 52 on him and it wouldn't be close. A completely we'll different see, game. Yeah, we'll see how. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Well, Wisconsin, Ohio State Davis. on Saturday for the Big Ten title. Guys, thank you much, very much for all year. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, us. It's been thanks, a blast. Thanks again. This is awesome. You've been listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club at Cross in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.